Welcome back to Real Tech Hours. I'm your host, Parker. Uh, Before we jump into today's podcast, I would like to give you guys some quick updates, though. First, we have a couple new hosting sites. So, as of last podcast, we have added Google Play Music, CastBox, SoundCloud, Breaker, and Google Podcasts, which is pretty awesome if I do say so myself. I'm, I'm really excited about Google Podcasts. It's the one that I use personally to listen to all my podcasts, and it's a great addition. As of recording this podcast, however, uh, the search results weren't populating yet. It wasn't showing up at the top when I researched the name specifically. And I'm assuming the situation is the same as it was with Google Play Music. Google Play Music took a few hours before the change took effect. And literally, as I woke up this morning, I, got, I noticed the email in my inbox about getting added onto there. Second, we've got some audio changes. So I did take a listen back at the what I get uh, the first episode app full of fast one and I noticed uh, a lot of background noise so hopefully in this one we reduce that I got a little work time in with audacity watched a couple tutorials on how to reduce background noise and things such as that and I tested it already once hopefully I can replicate the same here and the second thing for audio changes is I am bumping up the overall volume of the podcast. So I noticed on Spotify, it sounded exactly how it sounded when I played it back to myself. But then I go on Google Play Music, and it was very quiet. I had to max out my phone just to even get relatively the same amount on Spotify. So if you do notice that, I will try to figure out what the difference is there in the future. But for now, I'm just going to up the audio volume. So if you're listening, you got headphones in. I suggest you uh, turn it down compared to what you normally have it at. And third, we've got some scheduling ideas, I guess I could say. So Mondays and Fridays look like they're going to be the best ideas for recording and publishing the podcast. And then other days, if possible or necessary, if if an article comes out or or some news breaks that I feel I need to cover that day, then I'll go ahead and throw something up. Or if I just get some free time and have a script already written for a show, I'll go ahead and throw it up. And I guess fourth would be scripts. So for the first episode, I just kind of did it off the fly, off the cuff to really just get two episodes out there, an introduction and then a a real episode. You need two for most podcasting sites. I I don't know how much the listeners know about this, but when you're posting a podcast and you're starting out fresh, you need most podcasting websites or hosting websites require you to have two before you can actually publish and go live with everything, uh, such as Google Play Music requires two, submitting to Apple Podcasts requires two, and there's a couple more on the list. Um, so to submit to those platforms, I had to have two episodes. So that was the reason. And that's all for updates for this podcast. If you have any questions, you have a suggestion for the next show, an article or topic you want to see featured, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com, and we will definitely see it. So now it's time for Real Tech Hours, a podcast where we discuss tech during Real Tech Hours. First up today is a surprise leak this morning of the Huawei Mate 30 lineup. This happened just a few hours ago. 
The Verge reported that Huawei will launch four new phones this Thursday, September 9th. That is the date they, that Huawei has announced they are holding a press conference. And this leak comes, obviously today is Monday, days in advance of their press conference, which is, you know, the timing couldn't be more perfect. So the first of the devices is the Mate 30 Pro, and this will come in a standard and Porsche design. The Mate 30 Pro will have a waterfall screen design where the screen will sharply wrap around the edges of the phone, unlike uh, the Samsung equivalent with their edge-to-edge -edge screens where they have it slightly on the edge. It will literally like almost drop off essentially from the renders and the pictures that they are seeing there. The Mate 30 Pro will also feature a notch on the front comparable to an iPhone, and it is believed that this notch will house some new sensors for a facial unlock software. Obviously, more details on all these devices, and especially that facial unlock software, will come on Thursday when they do their official announcement. The Mate 30, which will be the mid-range, will have or in between the three devices that they are launching, it'll be the middle one, so I guess the standard phone. We'll have a flat screen with a smaller two-camera notch at the top. Both phones are believed to have a quad camera setup housed in a circular design on the back, as well as featuring Huawei's new Kirin 990 chipset. Now, this new 990 chipset is believed to have a variant that will include a 5G modem in it, which is pretty interesting considering... The 5G is the next expansion for the cellular provider services. As you can see, some of the major providers like Verizon are already setting up and implementing 5G in certain cities. While the setup and usability is currently limited, it's obviously coming in the future, so they're clearly getting ahead with this. They're clearly getting ahead of the curve with this new chipset. The final phone in the lineup, the Mate 30, is the one with the biggest difference in the lineup. It will feature a square design for its quad camera setup on the back, similar to their previous Mate 20 phones. And for the screen, it will use a hole punch cutout, similar to the latest Samsung phones. But it will be located in the top left corner instead of the top right, like the um, Galaxy lineup, or I should say Galaxy S10 lineup, or the center, like the Galaxy Note 10, has. It's a little bit interesting. Top left corner, uh, I guess it makes a little more sense than having it in top right, since top right is usually the date and time, battery percentage, and top left is usually the start of the notification. So it'll be pretty interesting to see what they announce with that on stage. The main important feature that we should really talk about of these phones, though, is that while they will launch with some version of Android, they will not launch with any Google apps or services, such as Google Play Store. This was confirmed last month by Google, and it's due to the current U.S. ban on the relations between companies based in the U.S. and the companies, or, and Huawei specifically. So, this is going to be kind of interesting to see how they try to market this, especially with Europe being one of their major areas of growth, uh, it'll, they'll have a hard time convincing people to buy them without these standards that people expect, like Google Play Store, the ability to have access to all those apps that come along with it, uh, the Gmail app, you know, the 
Google Play Music, got YouTube, um, just in those apps in the general realm, not having those available is definitely a deal breaker. So whether Huawei is going to announce that this is going to be their first phone with their new operating system that they've said have been, de been in development, which is highly unlikely, but not having these services and trying to continue to grow in Europe, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be interesting to see what they announce, how they try to play it off, how they spin this new product, and you know whether they, if they announce their new operating system, like I was saying, that'll be interesting to see as well because they've been claiming that they've been working on that for a while now, and then they started claiming it was only for uh, Internet of Things devices such as, you know, like, modems and, and that kind of thing. And so I, it's really just going to be an interesting press conference to see what they have to say. Next, we have a story on Disney. 9to5 Google reported that Disney Plus released early for those in the Netherlands, showcasing the sheer amount of content the service has to offer. It is currently free until November 12th in the Netherlands, at which time it will officially launch and cost $6.99 per month. The Verge did a detailed rundown of their experience with the service, including being able to create a maximum of seven profiles and stream across five devices, even though four is the stated maximum. The help page for Disney Plus explained that the service will have more than 7,500 episodes and over 500 film titles within the first year. This is going to be pretty interesting. Disney Plus launching into the streaming wars, as people are calling it, is going to be a major shakeup. You know, Netflix has had a lot of these Disney shows and movies up to this point, and now they're just all going to be pulled and placed in one location. I can already see the subscribers counts for some of these services like Google, uh, like the Netflix and Hulu. Although Hulu, I don't see dropping because of the Disney Plus bundle that they're doing with Hulu, considering Disney now owns all of Hulu. So if you don't know, Disney Plus... While it is uh, available at $6.99 per month, they did announce that they're doing a bundle with Disney Plus Hulu, but with limited ads. I believe it's the version where you have two ads before every episode, and ESPN for $11.99. Now, that's pretty crazy. That's round about the price of one Netflix subscription. You get all of that content this year amount of content. It's just crazy. So it's, it's going to be really interesting when they fully launch it. The Verge did note that they the experience was pretty seamless. While they didn't have the sheer like expansive library that Netflix has amassed, they also didn't have any bugs straight out the gate at launch, which is, is pretty interesting. On a side note, in the same article, 9to5Google talked about how Amazon announced they would be hosting a hardware event on the 25th of this month. So this will be kind of interesting to pay attention to. They'll potentially have some new Alexa devices or the official launch of some of the beta devices they've been running, like their uh, Alexa Auto, I believe it's called. It's basically a, a small little Alexa. It looks like an energy bar almost. You just plug her into the into a cigarette lighter adapt into a cigarette lighter port. She comes with an adapter, and then you plug it into the aux uh, port on your car. And it basically gives you access to Alexa. It can play music. It, it works like a Bluetooth speaker adapter as well as an Alexa. So it's pretty interesting. And they might even give some updates to existing hardware. Like a, announcing the next generation of those devices. So it'll be pretty interesting to see what they have there. Our 
Next article comes from Android Authority, and they posted talking about Oppo's next phone, the Oppo Reno Ace. Most notably known for the Oppo Find X, one of the first phones to feature a sliding portion of the top camera to get the full screen design, the Oppo Reno Ace is supposedly supporting 65-watt fast charging, making it the fastest charging phone currently available on the market. This is a whole 20 watts faster than Samsung's latest Galaxy Note 10 Plus. This is going to be crazy. 65-watt uh, fast charging. I don't know who needs 65-watt fast charging, but I guess... I guess we'll find out whenever they launch the phone. I mean, the charging speeds for phones are just going up and up and up. And they're getting pretty crazy at this point. But I think at this point what I'd really want to see is some improvements in battery tech. That would be that'd be absolutely nice to see a smaller form factor battery with a larger capacity. Something, some kind of innovation moving in that direction would be good to see now that we have all these ultra-high uh, fast charging rates, especially that some of them are coming wireless. I believe that they also announced at the time that they had a wireless charging pad coming that would... Oh, here it is. Uh, Xiaomi. Sorry, not Oppo. Xiaomi announced that they are coming out with a 30-watt wireless charger for their upcoming Mi 9 Pro 5G. The, now, the Mi 9 is already out. I'm not sure if the Mi 9 Pro 5G version is already out at this point. Um, but 30-watt wireless charging or pad or, or however they're going to do it on a stand, that's pretty crazy. That's a, that's a lot of speed for these batteries. On the Android 30 article, they claimed... Or they stated, I guess I should say, that the 65-watt charger that the phone is equipped with, paired with a 4,000 milliamp-hour battery, could likely charge the device in under 45 minutes. That's 0 to 100% in under 45 minutes. That's pretty crazy. Speaking of batteries, Tesla filed a new patent for improving battery technology. Electric reported that Tesla filed a patent for a battery that will last longer, perform better, and cost less. They've been developing battery tech in partnership with a team at Dalhouse University, I believe that's how you say it, led by Jeff Don. Their initial reports show that the battery cell could last over 1 million miles if used in an electric vehicle. The battery has a new chemical composition as well as a new internal design. This comes after Elon Musk said that they had built a Model 3 which could last a million miles with the modules lasting 30 to 500,000. He also stated at the same time that they were working on a new battery design coming to improve the lifetime to 1 million miles for the battery cells. Now this is going to be pretty interesting to see exactly how this plays out because this will be huge for Tesla's cost structure. If they can bring down the cost of the batteries, one of the most expensive components in their car's vehicle, and in, in, in their cars currently, in any electric vehicle, the battery pack is easily one of the most expensive pieces. And being able to improve performance reduced cost, and improve lifetime of the battery, that's that's huge. They will be able to lower the cost of vehicles while also requiring less in the future towards repairs and improvements whenever the battery pack goes shot. So this will be interesting to see, and it'll be a nice competitive advantage for them if they can implement it soon enough. Uh, especially with our upcoming Tesla Roadster, 
supposed to come out next year with the 400 mile um, 400 miles of range in the battery pack. In addition to battery tech, Tesla also filed a patent for a new windshield wiper blade system. Car and Drive reported that the new patent details an electromagnetic windshield wiper system with a single blade. So basically, what it is, I'll try to describe it as best I can, is that you have the front uh, glass panel on the car, you know, the front windshield. The wiper will lay down traditionally like they, like they currently do, just chilling there, but it'll be off to one side. It'll have the full arm will cover the full length of the windshield from top to bottom if you uh, have it vertical. So what it'll do is it'll lay horizontally, activate it, it'll swipe up, and then it'll move across the whole windshield. So it'll, it'll be in horizontal position, it'll lift itself to vertical, and then it'll move completely across the entire windshield, clearing the whole thing, and then it will lay back down facing the opposite direction. Now this is pretty interesting. Uh, windshield wiper systems is one of the last places you'd expect some innovation, and here Tesla is dropping something new on us. So that'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see how this design plays out if they actually implement it, or if they're just throwing a patent out there. So a quick reminder before we move on to our next story: you have a question, a suggestion for the next show or an article or topic you want to see featured, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll be sure to take a look at it. Our final Elon story involves this company, SpaceX. Ars Technica reported that SpaceX has announced that they will adjust the orbital spacing of its satellites. This will allow them to cover three areas versus one on each launch, accelerating the process of deploying satellites covering a wider surface area. SpaceX also stated that they would only need six more launches until they could provide service to the northern states in the U.S. They expect to be able to service the southern states at the end of the next hurricane season and other U.S. territories by the following hurricane season. So for those of you who don't know, the Atlantic and Pacific hurricane seasons run from spring until November 30th each year. It's kind of interesting that the time frame they chose there was the end of the next hurricane season. It's... It, especially now that we're in hurricane season, a pretty crazy one at that with uh, Dorian dealing a, a pretty brutal lashing to the Bahamas and uh, the current hurricane out there, I believe it's pronounced Umberto or, or something like that, it, as a tropical storm. I know it just got upgraded to a hurricane, but it's just kind of spinning off out there in the Atlantic right now. Um, but it should be interesting to see what comes out of this. If they they get approved for accelerating their uh, program here. They can triple their speed at which they're launching satellites into space. And instead of just covering one area, they're covering three per launch. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the future. I I'm especially interested in seeing how good this internet service is. Beaming it down and having, like, I believe it's like 11,000 satellites in total when they are fully launched worldwide. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be really crazy. Uh, it'll definitely be a game changer. In some non-Elon news, MoviePass has officially shut down. The Verge reported that they stopped offering their service as of the 14th, so two days ago, with no current plan to recontinue. The parent company, Helos & Matheson, has no idea on how to fund the company now. 
that they have run out of money and have no way to make any. So this is pretty wild. You can kind of see this coming for a while now, obviously, when they shut down their service claiming they were revamping uh, their product offering and their app a few months back. But, you know, since the very beginning, they have had issues and it's been very clear. When they, so a little bit about their pricing structure, when they launched, they initially were $30 a month, around $30 a month. And then one of the co-founders of Netflix stepped in and took over and announced they were dropping to $9.99 a month for unlimited movies at any uh, movie theater. And that was pretty crazy. I mean, nobody had any offering similar to that, similar to them at that point. And so the way that they were going to work is, is they had some piece of coding in their app that would track the user's location after they went and saw the movie, and they were hoping to sell this information off to marketers to show, hey, after a movie, this is where people typically go. They go out to eat, or they go to shop this sector, or they go, say they go buy clothes, they go buy shoes, or something like that. It could help them leverage their company and produce ads for the movie theaters and things like that to further improve the numbers that they were seeing. Um, this is sort of similar. And then, I mean, it, it's general purpose data, so they could sell it for, for just about anything. And that's where they were going to expect to make up most of the losses that they were incurring from people going and seeing movies. At one movie, they would only have is like one or two dollars left over i believe it's uh seven or eight dollars per movie ticket because they had to buy them directly from the theaters and no discount whereas the theaters they don't have to pay their upcharge so they can easily launch a competitor service to what movie pass did like with the amc subs a-list or regal's new unlimited but you know, MoviePass was really banking on being able to sell his data and not being able to, not finding anybody to purchase it. Definitely put them in the hole, and I think it signaled the end for their company a long time ago. I guess we can talk about uh, AMC Stubbs A-List and Regal Unlimited really quickly here. So I've been a member of both, member of AMC Stubbs A-List first when it came out for about a year, and now Regal Unlimited since it came out. Um, but that was, it's only been just over a month, I believe, because I signed up on, after they came out back in July, I signed up at the beginning of August, and I've only seen a handful of movies since then, because nothing has really piqued my interest since signing up for the service, but I do have to say, I am preferring AMC Stubbs A-List over Regal Unlimited at this point. The benefits of having the AMC Stubbs A-List is far greater than Regal's Unlimited plan, so with AMC Stubbs A-List, it starts at $9.99 per month, uh, and they do have some price increases if you live in different states where people go to see movies more often. It's a little bit more, like you can go to, it, it goes up to $21, $25, and then there's a $23.86, I think, is, when, is the last amount that I paid for if you go just to have a pass for across all states. But they provide you with points for not only your monthly payment, but for every single movie you go and see for the full price of buying a normal movie ticket. 
So obviously you aren't buying it, but they're still providing you all those points, and that's that's, that's excellent. You build up points much faster, and you get for every five thousand points, you get a five dollar um, reward certificate. And I just automatically add it to my app, and every single time, you know, I go get an IC or a drink or um, they used to be able to offer it where you could just apply it directly to your monthly plan, but I believe they stopped that. But you know, it's nice. You know, you just have it at five dollars after like every other movie, and you, know, you get a drink for that upcoming movie. But with Regal Unlimited, you only get points for the sales tax that you pay on the ticket. So you have to pay the sales tax every single time, so it's a little slightly less. So I guess I'll break it down for my case. So in my case, AMC, the nearest one is about 20 miles from my house. So it's a little bit of a drive. It's like 35, 40 minutes. And so when you factor in the cost of gas and whatnot, it comes, it, it breaks about even between Regal and AMC, especially with having to pay every single time with the Regal. The, the Regal Unlimited has three tiers. There's the $18 or $19 tier, there's the 21 and the 23 It all depends on the location of the theater that you're trying to go see a movie in for how the pricing goes. But in, in the end, it, break, it broke about even compared to, you know, spending on gas to drive out to AMC versus Regal, which is like five minutes from my house. But I have to say, I, I would definitely... Most likely, I'm switching back to AMC Stubbs A-List when the time comes. There's a six-month grace period where you can't re-sign up for A-List once you cancel. Um, but I'm going to give, you know, Regal Limited. They still got a shot. We've got some movies coming up here. We've got The Joker. We've got the uh, Star Wars movies coming out in this September. So those will be, be great to go see those and try to get some more experience in at Regal. So our next article is on HTC. They've launched their latest VR headset, the Vive Cosmos VR. The Verge posted that the new headset will come with an upgraded LCD display for a combined resolution of 2880 by 1700. It will also have a 110 degree field of view with a 90 hertz refresh rate. The Vive Cosmos VR will also be HTC's first headset to ship with their new view reality system, the UI for the headset, instead of relying on Steam VR. This drop also comes during a time when Google filed a patent for a VR headset that would be under their upcoming Stadia system. Business Insider dropped this report that both Google and Nintendo filed VR patents. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this, especially with Google Stadia coming up. Whether you know or not, Google is launching a cloud-based gaming service here pretty soon. It's going to come out in November, and you'll be able to play it nearly anywhere you have a decent internet connection. So you get 60 FPS. Well, with your with their paid tiers, they have two tiers. They have the free tier where you just have to buy the games, and you can play through Chrome browser on your computer. If you have a Pixel, you can play on your Pixel. If you have Chromecast, you can play on the TV, that sort of thing. Uh, it'll be free tier, will be uh, lower specs, obviously, but for the premium tier, you'll have 60 FPS, you have 4K resolution, you'll be able to play up to 60 FPS, 4K resolution, HDR support, and 5.1 surround sound. 
All of these obviously are based on your internet connection, what kind of TV or monitor you're using, basically the, the general setup. So they recommend various connections from 35 megabytes per second to being the best, down to 10 megabytes per second being required for 720 and 60 FPS with stereo sound. Like that's, that's going to be pretty crazy. Only 10 megabytes per second for those stats is, is pretty impressive. And only 35 megabytes per second for 4K. Uh, HDR 60 FPS 5.1 surround. That's that's gonna be interesting uh, because right now, for example, mine is about I run around 100 megabytes per second for my internet connection. So I'm pretty excited for Stadia. Personally, I'm going to pre-order it, and if they come up with the VR headset, that's kind of perfect. You know, I've been looking into. VR over the past little bit, I'd say for about a couple months or so, one of my friends has the PlayStation 4 VR headset, and that's very cool, I played some Beat Saber on that, uh, it's a very good experience, and I'll just be really excited to see what Google does with this uh, patent coming up in the near future. Minecraft has silently climbed even higher up the rankings. Business Insider reported that the Microsoft-owned game boasted 112 million monthly players. That is an over 20 million player jump since the last time they reported these numbers back in October of 2018. Microsoft is also holding a special event on October 2nd. Engadget reported that this event will most likely be used to unveil the next generation of Surface Book laptops, potentially including a 15-inch version of the laptop, as well as an AMD-based machine, a Qualcomm Snapdragon-based machine, and maybe an, even a teaser for a dual-screen Surface laptop. Now, all of these announcements getting dropped on us all at once is, you know, pretty interesting. The Minecraft jumping up to 112 million players per month, that's... That's an outstanding number. That's ridiculous. And to think they were right around 90 million players this time last year in October. Having a 20 million player jump in your monthly player base, that means people who are logging on every single month. Wow, that's some, that's some crazy growth. That is absolutely crazy growth. I guess it just goes to show that uh, Minecraft still holds the top ranking no matter where it's hosted. And with that, we'll go ahead and finish up today's Real Tech Hours. So today we looked at the Mate 30 lineup, Disney+, Plus, Tesla patents, and SpaceX moving their internet service timeline forward. We also talked about how MoviePass Movie has officially kicked the bucket. HTC released a new VR headset. Google and Nintendo filed some VR patents. And Microsoft's announcements about Minecraft and upcoming events. As always, you can find the podcast on anchor.fm. Spotify, Google Play Music, CastBox, SoundCloud, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at RealTechHours, to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. If you have a question, a suggestion for the next show, an article or topic you want to see featured, send an email to RealTechHoursPodcast at gmail.com, and I will definitely see it. Thank you for joining me for today's Real Tech Hours, and I will catch you all next time. Peace.